This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. Hello, welcome to the Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller, founder of Empire State Properties. Today we have with us a real icon. I mean, a true icon. A French chef, a author, a TV personality, a co-owner of, everybody knows, Le Bernardin. It really is, always been, still is the finest restaurant in New York City. Recently, he opened up a wine bar called Aldo's, as well as L'Ami Pierre about five months ago. It's Eric Repair. I think that it was very brave of you to open up this afternoon eatery right after COVID because you really didn't have traffic back in New York. So congratulations for all that you do. And before we start, I want the audience to know how personal this interview is to me because in 1986, I was fortunate enough to meet Gilbert Lecoz and Maggie, his beautiful sister Maggie. And at Empire, we sold them their first pied terres and I just loved Gilbert. And he, to me, he was, he just was a rock and he was so smart and handsome and it's just was very sad. And I, I've always wondered, how did you come to Le Bernardin? And can you just tell us that? Sure. I started at Le Bernardin in 1991 and I was the chef de cuisine of Gilbert Lecoz. And then we worked together for three years. We opened Miami in between. We had a restaurant in Coconut Grove. And then, unfortunately, in July 1994, Gilbert Lecoz passed away. And uh, I remained at Le Bernardin, very loyal to the restaurant and to Maggie Lecoz, the sister, like you mentioned. And uh, today, uh, Maggie and I are um, co-owner of Le Bernardin. That's fantastic. So you were the chef. I was the chef. And I'm, I'm still the chef. <laughs> I, I remember he used to go down in, to the Fulton Market like four o'clock in the morning and get his fish. Do you, do you still do that? No, I don't do that any longer. Actually, the fish market moved now is in the Bronx next to uh, Riker Island. So it's a bit more difficult to get there. Uh, although I was there about two, three months ago to say hello to uh, the team that work with us mostly at the, at the fish market to say hello. Wow. So you're quite famous and you've done so many great things for New York City, particularly in the culinary world. But the restaurant business, along with other real estate, has had a very tough time since COVID. And I'm really, I'm interested to know, like, what do you think the relationship now is between the landlords and the restaurant owners? Have there been a lot of concessions? Do you think that's going on? How did you fare during that? Um, our landlords were amazing during the COVID. They help us tremendously. Wow. And uh, without their help, we wouldn't be here today. Uh, the landlord really, really supported us. Kudos. Incredibly. I think uh, a lot of our, our friends who have restaurants have been also helped by their landlord as well at that time. And some of them didn't have any help and they closed. Mm. <laughs> because you cannot rent, you cannot have a rent for one year and be closed and no revenues. You, landlords have to make an effort and, uh, and therefore uh, we are grateful to them. Do you think that they helped you particularly because of your reputation? They helped us because we have a good relationship yeah. with them and because we have been very good tenants and uh, they help us with the wine bar that we have, although some wine bar that is uh, 20 yards from Le Bernardin, uh, they help us with everything we, we had with them. So it's, it was something um, to remember, I'll say. 
So, well, I think it's a lot because of you, but um, <laughs> oh, do you no. remember the days when we would sit with our coats on and the sidewalk and freeze and, and order food because we were afraid to get COVID? I hear that's going away. And I'm just wondering how that's going to affect revenue. So Le Bernardin was closed completely when when um, the COVID was in the city. And uh, we, did, we didn't want to have a terrace because it's not Le Bernardin experience. We didn't want to put a piece of fish in a, in a plastic <laughs> box <laughs> because, it's, again, it's not Le Bernardin experience. Even the wine bar was closed. Then we reopened. And when we reopened, we had a lot of restrictions. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but it was 25% capacity and so on. That was very hard for restaurateurs in New York, almost unbearable. Then we went to 50% capacity. Then we were almost fine. And then we closed again. And it was like really like a roller coaster and midtown was dead yes as you know as, I, as know. I know you could walk for hours in midtown and times square and do all the blocks and see no one not even a car not even the police wow. and today it's back and and that is amazing to see oh, so I much life in uh in in the Midtown district, uh, in Rockefeller Center, everywhere. It's it's so packed with tourists and New Yorkers that came back to their offices and are working. Well, maybe that's because they want to come to Le Bernardin. They, uh, they probably want to come to Le Bernardin because we are packed lunch and dinner. And uh, last year, we had the best year of Le Bernardin for, uh, forever. We, we never... Had a better year than, than this 2022. This is music to my ears, Eric. This is fantastic. You're saying that to the restaurant is <laughs> doing well. Congratulations. But with the rent so high and vacancy so low, I think New York was voted the most expensive city to live in in the whole nation last year. So how are you finding a workforce? How are you finding people and giving them homes? So after the, the COVID crisis, it was difficult to find some employees. Uh, a lot of them went back to their state because we have a young team, you know, fine, we have a fine dining restaurant and a lot of the team that comes to the kitchen is there to learn the craft and, and the craftsmanship and, uh, and how to cook. And uh, those young people went back to their state. They went back to their families and, and didn't return to New York. But today, I have to say, we have a full team. We have about 175 employees. We are 75 cooks in a kitchen. Wow. Where are they living? A lot of them live uh, in the in the boroughs uh, outside Manhattan. Right. And uh, a, a lot of them are in Brooklyn and Astoria. And Roommates. The, the subway is very important because they have short trips, half hour, and they are, they are where they live. Yes, roommates, of course. So with, I mean, the, the hybrid work model is, is here to stay. People, I mean, people will come back, but it's been three, four days. And I'm very curious to see how the lunch places, the local bodega there, you oh, you were brave and you opened La Mie Pierre for lunchtime, quick sandwich or, or salad. Are there enough tourists and street traffic to support a lunchtime eatery like that? Oh, for sure. We opened Lamy Pierre uh, about five, six months ago, and uh, right away it was a success. And today you have lines of people waiting for sandwiches and, and salads, and I feel bad. I want to, I want the team to go faster, <laughs> to be able to um, deliver uh, even a better service. But uh, it's hard because it's so many people who are uh, looking for a, a good meal. And uh, in our neighborhood, the wine bar does really well. Le Bernardin, of course, but it's another animal. But we are packed for lunch with regulars, actually. The wine bar uh, is very busy. And uh, all the businesses that are providing um, uh, lunch that are inexpensive for people working in offices are very busy again. But you said that you see lines and does that 
concern you because you can't give the quality that you would like? It's not about giving the qualities about the service. Right. I would love to give a great service where people don't have to wait at all. But if you have, in a matter of 10 minutes, 100 people coming into a store, it's very difficult to achieve that. Mm -hmm. So let's see how long that stays. We'll see. <laughs> This is what I want you to be frank to the audience about. How is crime affecting your business and what do you see? In New York, obviously. Yes. I see nothing. And, and Suzanne, I walk every morning. I live on Upper East Side. I walk every morning through Central Park mm -hmm. for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I walk every night through the streets back home from Le Bernardin to the Upper East Side. I do not see anything. Of course, I see few homeless here and there uh, at night sleeping during do the day. Do you take the subway? I do not take the subway because I walk. But I do not see anything in our neighborhood. Our building has private security taking care of the building. Mm -hmm. So that may be helpful. I don't know. But it's no crime in our uh, street. It's no crime uh, in a, around the building. And uh, again, I walk with no fear at all whatsoever. So the papers today, the front page of the Post was basically saying that our president has failed us and crime is so high. And so you're not seeing any of that. You think it's just media. I haven't, I haven't seen the first page of the post today. Uh, maybe they should talk about Fox News and, uh, and what happens to them instead of uh, lying about the situation in New York. Okay. Well, that's, that's encouraging. Thank you. And you see tourists back? What do you see? It's, it's like it's it was? a lot of tourists. The hotels are packed. You go to the Hilton Hotel next to us, the Sheraton Hotel. Uh, all those hotels are, are packed. And uh, tourists are all over Times Square. Mm -hmm. uh, Rockefeller is... a Rockefeller Center is a big destination, and therefore, uh, we see a lot of tourists there too. So if you were investing in another restaurant, where would you go? Well, I have no intention to open anything. However, if I had to open a restaurant, I would open it exactly where we are. It's the best location in New York. Midtown is the best location. You have the offices, you have the tourists, and you have the shows in Broadway. Who has that? I mean, it's amazing. You're busy for lunch, and then at night you have... People who are going to the show and eat early and then you have clients who come later and people who come after the shows. Well, this is this is very encouraging, Eric. I think that a lot of people are listening to this and I think this is great news. But you do agree that there's inflation going on, right? And the cost of food is going up. So how often can you raise the prices on your menu? Like, how are you handling that? It's definitely huge inflation. Uh, now it's kind of slowing down, but... About six months ago, it was really a challenge. It's inflation for the cost of the food, but it's also inflation for the cost of the employees. Employees need to make more money to be able to pay, to pay their rent, to be able to uh, make a living in New York. And uh, therefore, uh, us, uh, owners of businesses, have to, to give better compensations than previously because, again, the cost is much higher yes. everywhere. Yes. And uh, that has to um, have an impact on the price of uh, the menu that we, we have at Le Bernardin. We raise our prices, but I think we, uh, we are really trying to be very reasonable and not be greedy. And we uh, are delivering a great value for the clients. And 
people are very happy and come back and that's maybe why we are so busy. Well, I know that you're altruistic. You were sharing with me before we started the show that you were feeding all these hospitals and doctors 400 meals a day. You were cooking yourself. So maybe some karma is, 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 uh, it's is here. To... We, we, still, we still are involved with the biggest organization in New York, uh, City Harvest, that is mm -hmm. a food rescue organization. And uh, City Harvest delivered last year 90 million pounds of food. Wow. To New Yorkers in need. And it's all many other organizations that are doing that. And you're part of that. And we are we are helping as much as we can. That's and during cool. the COVID, uh, during the crisis, we were doing 400 meals a day for doctors and nurses from out of state that were replacing the ones that were too tired or sick. And then we were uh, also doing uh, 400 meals a day for the Bowery Mission downtown. So this is all very encouraging. I'm so happy to hear that this has been your best year since, since inception. That's phenomenal. Yes. Phenomenal. People are back. They want to go to restaurants. Thank you. So I want to just switch it for a minute and ask you a personal question. Sure. Everybody's been watching and understands how fantastic Anthony Bourdain was. Mm -hmm. And we know he was your best friend. Yes. We know that he was a special human. He had the most finest reputation. People would be very interested to hear. Can you share like your favorite Anthony Bourdain story so that we can remember him? Well, we have, a, of course, we remember him and uh, we had a very long friendship for many, many years. And many things happened during those years. And we had so many happy moments. And uh, we traveled the world uh, together uh, at times for his for his show. And uh, also he was coming to Cayman Island. Uh, in the winter, we were spending some time together. And uh, I have many, many memories that are amazing. I mean, it's hard for me to pinpoint one uh, right now, but um, we used to... Um, to be very playful in between in between Anthony and I. And I, I, I love when he was, because he was tired sometimes because he was jet lag coming from trips and he would sleep in a plane and he would, um, when he would sleep, I would take pictures and make fun of him and saying that <laughs> he's practicing uh, meditation and, he and, and so on. And then he would have a vengeance later on and it was very funny. Oh, that's, that's so sweet. He's watching your good deeds that you've been doing and I, I just, I'm just really in awe, Eric. I'm, thank you so much. And My pleasure. Just final, for people that want to be a chef, yes. the inspiration, what, what advice would you give somebody wanting to follow you and be a chef today? If you want to be a chef, you have to make sure that you have the real passion for cooking and being in a kitchen. And therefore, I recommend for anyone who wants to be in a kitchen to actually visit for a couple of days a professional kitchen, a restaurant, and see if they like it. And if you like it, then I recommend to go to a culinary school. And it's an investment because culinary schools are expensive. And you have to remember one thing. You come in our field because you have the passion for cooking and hospitality, not to become rich and famous. It's not an industry that necessarily will uh, deliver the rich and famous uh, aspect. And I know that is very glamorous in the media to speak about chefs and so on. But when you open the, the door of a kitchen, it's a different world. So you have to test your passion. That's what I recommend to everybody. Well, I think that sums it up. And I think that that should be for any business you choose. It's about the love of it, not, not the money in it. And that will make you the money. Absolutely. So, Eric, thank you so much for joining us and keep doing what you're doing and feeding us and being fabulous. Thank, thank you, you for coming much. on The Miller Report. Thank you. Dear listeners, thank you for coming on my podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please download, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Bye.